grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the Old Testament reading portion that is quoted, at least in part, in our Gospel from John. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when I was a youngster growing up in northeast Nebraska, there were some activities that kids always look forward to. And let's be honest, it wasn't just the kids, it was the big kids among us as well. One of the things that would come to West Point, Nebraska every summer, donkey baseball. You ever heard of it? You ever seen it? It's absolutely insane. If the batter manages to hit the ball, he's got to get on the donkey and ride the donkey to get on base. It's silly. It's hilarious. It's foolish. And I have to admit, after an inning or two, got kind of old. Even when I was a kid, it seemed kind of stupid. But every year, there you were doing it again. Watching the elites of our community making a fool out of themselves riding a donkey. I won't even get into donkey basketball. It's, it's a whole new genre. Whenever you have donkeys involved with things, it's kind of a farce. It's kind of silly. You know the old Western movies or television shows where the prospector has the stubborn donkey that won't do what the prospector wants it to do? The same thing. There is a reason why. God rides a donkey today. That's exactly what's happening. That's who Jesus is. God in the flesh. It was no accident. God predicted it hundreds and hundreds of years before through the prophet Zechariah. God rides a donkey to teach us to humble ourselves. God humbled himself, taking the form of a slave. God rides a donkey. He humbles himself coming into Jerusalem as he is ready to fulfill his mission as king who suffers and dies and rises for the life of the world. 
The people got it. The people shouted out, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David. They realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy. That he was the king coming into Jerusalem. Hosanna, save us. Save us, King Jesus. Save us now. They got it on Palm Sunday. But a few days later, many of these same voices were shouting something different. We've sung hymn 4.30 several times throughout our Lenten journey this year. Marvelous, marvelous hymn. My song is Love Unknown. Verse 3. Sometimes they strew his way and his sweet praises sing. Resounding all the day, hosannas to their king. Then crucify is all their breath. And for his death, they thirst and cry. How could the people who recognized King Jesus on Palm Sunday praising God and shouting Hosanna, how could they only days later shout crucify? Crucify to their king. Well, Jesus wasn't the kind of king that they wanted. Jesus wasn't the kind of king that they expected. Jesus wasn't the kind of king that they were demanding. What kind of a king did they want? They wanted a political king. They wanted a king to cast off the shackles of Roman oppression. They wanted a king who would make the economy right. They wanted a king who would have equality between Jew and Gentile alike. They wanted to go back to the good old days when David sat on the throne. Not remembering that many of those days weren't so good. They had this picture in mind of what they wanted the Messiah, the Christ, the King, King Jesus to be and to do, and Jesus did not live up to their expectations. And it didn't take long. King Jesus, crucify him. Even Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? And the crowd shouted out, we have no king but Caesar. What about us, my friends? What kind of a king do we want? What kind of a king do we expect? What kind of a king do we demand? It's pretty easy to fall into the same trap that the Hosanna shouting crowd fell into on that particular day. Jesus teaches us to pray Thy kingdom come. 
Remember your catechism? How does God's kingdom come? What does this phrase mean, thy kingdom come? Well, the kingdom of God certainly comes without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it would come to us or among us also. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when he sends us his Holy Spirit. Doesn't sound very political, does it? When he sends us his Holy Spirit to believe the word of God and to lead holy lives here in time and there in all eternity. Isn't that wild? Isn't that crazy? No political platform? Nothing about an economy or inflation? My friends, how easy it is for us to think that the most important things of this world are the things of this world. Jesus, King Jesus, humble King Jesus, humbles himself, taking on the form of a slave, fixing his eyes on Jerusalem, and now he's here. He's here. King Jesus is here. And he is about to establish his kingdom. How does he do it? Through his bloody, sacrificial death on Calvary's cross and his victorious resurrection three days later. This is the kingdom of Jesus, not wearing a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. Right on, right on in majesty, we just sang, in lowly pomp, right on to die. My friends, this is offensive to our reason, to our senses. What we see doesn't match what God's Word clearly teaches us. A king is one who rules. A king is one who is mighty and majestic. A king has a kingdom. And yet Jesus comes in on a donkey, humble and lowly, and it appears as his dead corpse is hanging on an old rugged cross, that his mission has failed. That's what our eyes see. That's what our, our senses tell us. But God's word tells us something very different. It is through the humility. It is through the death. It is through the resurrection of Jesus that he establishes his kingdom. Oh, not an earthly kingdom, but a kingdom that spreads out throughout the entire earth. Not a kingdom of power that we normally associate with the kingdoms of this world. No, 
Jesus rules with love and grace and compassion. Jesus cares far less about your pocketbook than he does about your soul. My friends, today, on this Palm Sunday, we need to ask ourselves, what kind of a king do we really want? Are we primarily concerned with the things of this world? Is that what we want? Do we want an earthly king? Do we want an earthly king so badly that we close our ears to the word of God? Do we want an earthly king that will keep inflation and gas prices low? Or an earthly king that will establish equality and a Green New Deal and maybe even a universal income? What kind of a king do we want? Do we want a king who's wise with regard to the conflicts that pop up all over the world? One who knows about borders and knows how to secure them? What kind of a king do we want? Maybe all we want is a king who doesn't use Twitter. My friends, today, God's Word teaches us this question. What kind of a king do we really want? Well, perhaps we need to ask, what kind of a king do we really need? My friends, God's word for today is exhorting each one of us not to trust our eyes, our ears, our reason, our senses when it comes to this kingdom talk. God's word is exhorting us to trust God's word, to humble ourselves before the very word of God, to humble our minds. We know that we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to Him. The Holy Spirit calls us by the Gospel. We humble our minds to the Word of God. The incarnation makes no sense. God taking on flesh and blood, my reason says that's a lie. God's Word says it's true. God in the flesh, Jesus, placing himself under the law, the Ten Commandments, the law that condemns me and you and everyone else. Jesus living a perfect life? That's crazy. That makes no sense. But God's Word clearly teaches it. So we believe it. 
Jesus, the Son of God, going to a cross, bleeding and dying? How can God die? That makes no sense. And yet God's word clearly teaches that Jesus, true God and true man, really died on Good Friday. We humble ourselves before the word of God. And then, then, the most wild and crazy fantasy of all, that a dead corpse can come back to life? My reason and my senses tells me that's a lie. But God's word proclaims not only that it's true, but it's the life of the world. My friends, can we humble ourselves before the word of God? If God's word says it, we believe it, and that settles it. My friends, not only do we need to humble our minds before the word of God, we need to humble our bodies before the word of God. God calls us to live holy lives. God calls us to have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Far too often, we live one way on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening and a completely different way during the week. People outside of the Christian faith rightly look at many of us and call us out for our hypocrisy. We need to humble our bodies before the Word of God to freely admit that we are sinners, poor, miserable sinners, and in our shame we need the forgiveness that only the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, can provide. To humble our bodies before the Word of God. Living a life of humility. Seeing other people's needs before we see our own. This is a good and God-pleasing thing. My friends, we humble our minds. We humble our bodies. We humble our hearts. My friends, the temptation for each one of us is to be our own king. To think that we can justify ourselves, not only our actions, but all of our lives. We humble our hearts to know that we can't go to our king. But he comes to us. He comes to us through the words of sinful men who have unclean lips but proclaim the living voice of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, life, and salvation of all. We humble our hearts to see the miracle of holy baptism, not just water, but water connected to the Word of God, which is a life-giving water, a washing of regeneration and renewal.
We humble our hearts and see our king come to us in bread and wine, which is the very body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under bread and wine for us Christians to eat and drink for forgiveness, life, and salvation. My friends, this is the king and this is the kingdom that Jesus brings. All the glory in the world pales in comparison to the kingdom that Jesus Christ brings. All of the kings of this world rule by force. King Jesus rules by grace. All of the kings of this world require you to serve them. And if you don't, you will suffer for it. King Jesus suffers for the life of the world. He freely suffers for you. And through his suffering, gives you strength to endure suffering when it comes your way. All the kings of this world require payments by their subjects. Jesus paid your debt on Calvary's cross, not with gold, not with silver, not with tax breaks. He paid your debt with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. For all of the times that you have sought after false kings, for all of the times when you have spurned the kingdom that God graciously gives you, for all of the times when your reason and strength has trumped the word of God, for all these sins and more, Jesus Christ has paid in full for your sins. All the kings of this world threaten you with punishment if you disobey them. Jesus forgives our disobedience and pays the punishment for us on Calvary's cross. All the kings of this world offer you protection only for this life. Jesus Christ promises a full life now and a real life for all eternity. Jesus promises all these things, but unlike the kings of this world, Jesus delivers. That's what the events of this Holy Week signify. Don't be fooled. Palm Sunday, God riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, it's no joke. It's no farce. Jesus has humbled himself to be our Savior. Jesus teaches us true humility. 
the events of this week, his perfect life, his obedient death, his glorious resurrection, are God's seal of approval on Jesus and all of his work. And there's more. Jesus promises that the king will come again. The king will return in all power and might and glory. Never again will our hearts be weighed down with guilt and shame. Never again will, be, will we be tempted to follow after false gods and false kings. Never again will we be ashamed of Christ and His kingdom. My friends, unlike so many kings and would-be kings of this world who promise heaven but deliver only hell. Jesus endured hell for you and not only promises but delivers heaven. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.